Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have tuned in. Is your church ready? Are you ready to reopen? Ready for guests to walk through your doors? Ready to welcome more people to worship and grow your church? Are you out of space or are your interiors dated and needing some improvement? Well, the architecture and design team at RisePoint want to help you align your facility with the mission and vision that God has given your church. How do they do that? How do they look at all the guest touch points and design what uh, you need to invest and improve in? That's why RisePoint has developed the needs analysis. The needs analysis is a comprehensive look at your site to seat experience through the lens of your first time guests. It starts with an in-person meetings getting to know your church and evaluating your signage, interiors, building, brand, flow, etc. All of it and culminates with a detailed report, including budget options and recommendations. Listen, this is an amazing tool. You're going to want to take advantage of this. Now, if you want to learn more, head over to RisePoint. That's R-I-S-E-P-O-I-N-T-E.com and click on the needs analysis or just go to theneedsanalysis.com. Let them know that you heard about them on Unseminary and you'll get $500 off. This amazing first step tool will help you powerfully improve your guest touch points for an upgraded weekend experience. Again, that's theneedsanalysis.com and tell them that Unseminary sent you. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. You are in for a real treat today. We've got a repeat guest, which if you've been a longtime listener of Unseminary, we don't do that often. Uh, but I really wanted to get Danny Franks back on. Danny is a part of the leadership team at a fantastic church, the Summit Church. He's the pastor of guest services. He's also an author. He speaks. He does training. does all kinds of great stuff. For folks that don't know, the Summit Church uh, is a fantastic church with, if I can count right, nine locations uh, in North Carolina. You can correct me on that. Uh, currently, senior pastor is J.D. Greer, uh, who kind of helped relaunch the church in 2001. Uh, Danny, so glad to have you on the show today. Welcome. Rich, thanks so much. Good to be back with you. I'm so honored that you uh, would be back on, and I'm excited to talk through. Why don't we, for folks that don't know, kind of tell us a little bit about the Summit Church again. Give us kind of the the overview, update us, tell us kind of where are you guys at. Give us a sense of uh, the church. Yeah, so uh, as you said, we're a multi-campus church. We we do have actually 10 locations hmm. now, uh, or 10 campuses, uh, and then two additional campuses that are in uh, prisons uh, here in the area. So uh, ultimately, uh, 12 of those. Um, and we are, uh, you know, the, the heartbeat of our church is on sending. Uh, we want to make sure that it, it, as people are coming in, as they are experiencing the life-changing grace of God, that they are asking the question, how does God want to use me and send me, uh, whether that is uh, across the lobby to open a door for a first-time guest or across the street to share the gospel with my neighbor or uh, across the globe um, to live full-time and to uh, replicate um, the, the movement of the gospel that's happening here, replicate that in another area. And uh, over the years, we, we've had the, the honor of being able to send out hundreds of church planners. Um, currently, we have um, 
in the 200s, I would need to look exactly uh, that are that are living full time overseas. That's amazing. Uh, and then uh, hundreds more that have gone uh, from our church into other cities across North America uh, to plant churches in, in different cities. Yeah, I, I've had a um, opportunity to uh, interact a bunch with the guys at Mercy Hill Church in Greensboro, which is a, a plant out of uh, the summit. And and man, I love that church. It's such a, such a great church and God's doing a really cool thing there. And so, yeah, there's so much we can learn from, uh, you know, from you and from uh, the summit. And I, I love your particular focus on really this whole kind of guest experience. That's a unique role. There may be people that are listening in would say, well, like, what is that? What does that mean? How do, what, what's kind of your scope? What does that look like? Uh, what, what are kind of the areas that you oversee at the summit? Yeah. So um, as pastor of guest services, I uh, serve on our central uh, team. Uh, so so I don't have specific campus responsibilities, but I do coach our campus leaders. So we have either full-time or part-time staff uh, who are responsible for guest services at all of our various campuses. And I serve in a coaching capacity for them. Uh, you know, for us in, in the in the realm of guest services, we really believe that if we're going to be a good sending church, we have to first be a good receiving church. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't send people that we don't keep, right? And, and so we, uh, our team really focuses on that, um, that, that we can experience. We usually say that anything that's not on the stage or age graded that falls under our category. So everything from the street to the seat, from the parking lot to the pew, that's, that's all, uh, kind of our domain creating those experiences. And it really is just about making sure that we are doing everything that we can to help our guests know we expected you, we couldn't wait for you to show up, and we can't wait for you to come back. Mm. Um, and so that covers everything from from parking to seating to next steps to our first-time guest process. Uh, all of that uh, comes underneath a, a, just a great team of volunteers who are really excited about making those experiences happen uh, and creating those unique moments for our guests. I love it. And, you know, the reputation of Summit is that you're a friendly church, a welcoming church, the kind of place that, um, yeah, when people arrive here, it's, it's uh, you know, an open arms kind of environment, which has got to be difficult to do across 12 locations. That That is not, it's, it's easy, I shouldn't say easy. It's one thing to do that if you're in the room, you're in the lobby, you can kind of move people around and say, go be nice to that person. But there's there's got to be some kind of incredible training going on in the background there to be able to uh, really transfer that culture to all those various locations. I'd love to hear a little bit about what you're doing. I'd love to actually dig into what you're doing to um, really help propel that culture to drive the training and coaching across all those locations? Or is it just that everybody that comes to Summit is super nice and, and it just, just naturally happens? How are you doing that? What does that look like? How, what, what does training look like for you uh, at, in your area? Yeah, well, of course, we only allow nice people through the doors. So they, <laughs> they're the only ones. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, I think a lot of this is figuring out what is our DNA uh, when it comes to how we care for our guests and, and how do we replicate that. And th- what we're going to be talking about um, today, as far as how we train our volunteers, actually began uh, almost a decade ago when we were probably at five or six campuses at that point, and we moved to this central staffing model. Um, and I, I, like I said, I, I serve on our central staff team. Um, and up until that point, I had spent many years as 
the the actual um, facilitator of guest services. I was leading directly at a campus level. I was also on paper leading our other campuses, but because I was leading at the the broadcast campus, I was never able to go and you know be anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so so when we moved to a central model, I, I realized very quickly that our DNA uh, had slipped um, from mm-hmm. one campus to the other. Being a guest at uh, campus A felt very different than being a guest at campus B. Um, and it wasn't the fault of leadership uh, or not our campus leadership. It was the fault of, of me as a leader because I was just never able to speak into and coach and encourage those those leaders at different campuses. So uh, at that point, we began with our with our guest services staff at all campuses. We began a, a year long pretty intensive journey of just getting us all back on the same page. Mm. Uh, A lot of reading, a lot of discussions, a lot of meetings, a lot of prayer, a lot of asking that question, who are we? Um, and, and that, you know, in some ways that process is still going on, uh, even years later, because we're, we're always having to go back to the table and ask, Mm -hmm. uh, who are we, what does it look like for us to welcome guests well, and to help people take their next step towards the gospel. Mm-hmm. But at the end of that initial year with our with our staff, they began to, to ask the question, um, how can we begin to replicate this for some of our top tier volunteers? Because they, these books have been helpful to us. We should pass these books along to them. And so the idea actually came from them of starting a high capacity volunteer cohort, um, which in short is just basically a. Uh, a several month journey. Right now, it's a it's an eight month journey uh, where we meet once a month. Uh, a, a small group of volunteers from each campus come together. Uh, usually, all told, every campus will will uh, put forward anywhere from two to five volunteers, and so that gives us about thirty uh, thirty mm-hmm. people that are involved in that every year. And they journey with us very practically from January through August once a month hour and a half meeting. Um, and, and we come together to discuss some of those very same books. Of course, we've introduced new ones along the way, right. different principles, different things uh, that help them kind of all get on the same page and understand what our DNA really is. I, I love this. So if you've been in a church long enough, uh, you know, anybody that's listening in, you will recognize the problem that you're trying to solve here. Uh, there are, it seems like in so many of our churches, we have this giant gap. It's like you can either, in this case, it would be like show up and hand out programs when we used to do that pre-COVID. I know we don't do that anymore, but show up and do like a job that's like uh, a friend of mine calls it the shallow end of the pool job. It's like, it's easy to do. Or it's like you can be an elder at the church. It's like we, it's like these. We, there's this giant gap, and there we run into these high capacity volunteers, and we're like, man, these people are fantastic. They want to do more. We want to give them more. How do we uh, equip them and train them? I think is is such an important thing. So let's talk through. Um, you know, so you're saying it's it's once a month, uh, an hour and a half. What are you talking about in those those events? Let's kind of pull that apart a little bit more. What are been some of your learnings uh, on what's what actually happens at those events? Yeah, absolutely. So we we go in with a with an overall curriculum of where we're trying to go. M- most of that is made up of mile markers, where we just want to be able to say, um, you know, we we've given some some 
overview and some training and some very practical tools uh, as far as guest services, um, volunteer culture, leadership development, all of those things that those people that, as you said, are kind of in that gap between, you know, an initial, uh, you know, entry level volunteer. They're not certainly not on staff, but they are they're somewhere in the middle. How do we invest in them and give them that time? And so uh, the books that we read, you know, which are which cover the gamut. I mean, everything from uh, books that are written specifically for Church World and then books like, uh, you know, Disney Institute's Be Our Guest. Um, mm-hmm. We're we're really uh, covering a, a wide swath of, of topics there, um, where those books serve as a springboard for the conversation, uh, mm-hmm. and it'll be a mix. It's large group discussion, small group breakouts, um, mm-hmm. and and we always try to give a practical component to that. Mm-hmm. That um, we oftentimes assume that are you know in that old game of telephone that it's it's made its way from central to campus leadership to campus volunteers and i'm i'm always amazed uh sometimes a little bit depressed every month where you see this light bulb go off over somebody's head where they say oh that's why we do that and you would assume <laughs> that they knew that that's why we do that yes. but it, it's really the first time that they have heard that uh because like so many of us our campus leaders are wearing many different hats and they're not always uh, thinking about it from the same uh, depth of details, uh, you know that it, that it might have originally initiated with on paper mm-hmm. uh, from mm-hmm. you know from our central team. Yeah, I love that. And you know, again, this is such a simple idea. It's one of those. It's not. It's not rocket science we're talking about here. Get people together for eight nine months of the year. Uh, you know, one an hour and a half. We're looking at a book. We're leveraging that as the learning opportunity. Uh, the fact that you've done it now for how long have you been doing this again? I'm trying to do the math. It's a bunch yeah. of years. So we are we are currently in our ninth iteration of this. There were That's a few amazing. years. So it, it started with our volunteers. It started in I believe 2014, but there were a few years there we did a couple of them, uh, yep. kind of running, you know, running at the same time. But all total, we're we're running number nine right now. Yeah, that's amazing. And and so when you look back to kind of pre this, post this, how what what kind of problems has this solved? How are things better in the you know in the culture? What are some things that are like you know that you've really seen improved uh, at the summit because of this? Yeah, I, I think being able to put volunteers from different environments in the same room has been very helpful mm-hmm. because they're able to troubleshoot and solve each other's issues. Um, the, the big fail in this, Rich, would be if if me or our central team are serving as, you know, the guest services answer repository. Right. That, I mean, yes, we can get, we can lay the groundwork for some of those conversations. Um, but they're the ones that are on the front lines doing doing this work every single weekend. And, and so a, a lot of times they're able to uh, build those relationships across, you know, and say, this is what we're doing at our end of town. This is what we're doing on our campus. Um, but even from that, you know, one, one of our goals, we, we basically have four that we lay out for these high capacity volunteers as they come in. But one of the primary ones is, is we want to um, we want to just simply equip them to be a better leader. And and being better is important because by being by virtue of being at the table, they're already a leader. Their campus director has has identified them as such. Um, but we want to equip them with those skills to help them really believe that God has a Equipped them and gifted them to be the kind of leader uh, that can that can lead other people. And so, out of this group, I mean, we have seen people 
who began as a volunteer and now they're a part of our staff team. Uh, we've seen people that, you know, they, they were a volunteer and now they are a part of one of these church plants that, that I mentioned. And, and I don't want to come across as this cohort is the, the magic bullet to you know, <laughs> no, 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 pave yeah. the way into staff, but it, but it is just given those folks access to the kind of equipping and training that they, that, that, that can be useful in all kinds of areas. Yeah, absolutely love that. Now, obviously, you're a multi-site church. That's obviously, this was kind of born out of that. Um, help us understand how this connects with when you think about kind of your responsibilities from a central point of view uh, versus campus responsibilities, the staff that are that would be in those locations. How does this bridge that gap? How, you know, how do you, how is that working in your particular approach to multi-site? Yeah, so uh, in our in our model that we utilize, um, our guest services directors at different campuses um, they do not directly report to me. They report to their campus pastor. There's a there's a dotted line of influence between mm-hmm. uh, between me and and them or our central team and them. Um, and, and so there is a, a lot of um, a lot of ideas that are generated from the campus that mm-hmm. will from one particular campus that will spread to all. Um, but for one one of the things that this has helped with is, um, as I said earlier, so many of our campus directors, guest services is obviously not the only thing that they do. They're also responsible for small groups or a membership process or whatever it is, and so to to require them to do all the things that are on their mm. job description, uh, it sometimes feels like an impossible task. And so, uh, one of the, one of the beautiful things that we've seen come out of this is, uh, I'll never forget, for example, there, there was one thing that I was talking about in one of these cohort meetings several years ago and a volunteer from a campus came up to me afterwards. And she said, you know, you mentioned that this is something that we're supposed to be doing. That's right. Um, I don't think that we're actually doing this. No, mm. you're not. Um, would it be okay if I went to our, our campus director and said that I wanted to take this on? And she did. He was great with it. And this this area of neglect that was no fault of his own, he just had so many things going on. Um, all of a sudden, it just took on a brand new life because this volunteer recognized, hey, this is an area that I can uniquely contribute to. Love and it. so, you know, uh, overall, it, it has just allowed, it, it's allowed our campus directors to be more shepherds and less administrators. It has allowed our volunteers to uh, find areas uh, of need where they can really pitch in and say, hey, I'm I'm gifted and skilled to be able to answer this problem that we mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, you know, that's a great example, if you're listening in, dear listeners, of, you know, your your leveraging uh, your influence in that scenario. You could have uh, theoretically been like, I'm going to try to push this through, ram this down through the system and whatever this thing that we weren't doing at this one campus and kind of force the system to make it happen. But we all know that, A, that's super costly from a, like, it takes a lot of chips out of the bank to make that kind of thing happen. And rather than that, approaching it from this kind of, hey, well, you've got relational connection with this person and you kind of influence them to for it to be their idea. Hey, would it be okay if we did this? That's like golden from a central staff member uh, in a multi-site church. That's ultimately what the, the spot, regardless of how the uh, the org chart is, is written at your church, uh, particularly this, as you know, I've interacted with dozens of multi-site churches, you have to have that kind of mindset. You have to be thinking on that central side, hey, how can I influence uh, you can't be in every one of these rooms on a weekend. And so ultimately, 
ultimately you need people in those locations who are asking the questions themselves. Hmm, what what should we be doing? Uh, I love this context uh, for that. That's that's fantastic. If you were uh, advising a church that was looking at starting a high capacity volunteer cohort. Um, you know, you've laid out a, a pretty simple, straightforward process. We've actually got a download that we're going to make available in our show notes. But what would you suggest to uh, a, a leader that was starting one of these? Say, hey, I'd like to give this a run. Um, how would you kind of advise or coach a church to be thinking about adding this to their uh, approach? Sure. Uh, first, I would say the obvious uh, statement is you do not have to be a multi-site church or a mega church to pull off something like this. I mean, th- this is something that... Uh, I, I would say any leader should be looking for who their high capacity uh, people are and invest in them. Certainly, we want to invest in all of our volunteers, but we replicate ourselves best when we're investing in a, in a smaller group that can then go on to invest in, in others and then they and others and, and so on. And so I think for this, the, the first question that I want, would want a leader to ask if they're considering this is, what, what's the win? What, what am I trying to accomplish uh, with this? And in that download you mentioned, we, we outline our four wins that we are trying to accomplish um, through this. Uh, you know, what, what, what's the time frame? Are we going to do this, um, you know, over the course of a year or eight months? Or are we going to microwave this into, a, uh, you know, every other week book club for a couple of months or, or, or whatever it might be? Um, I, I think that you being able to define as a leader um, that the, the Parts of that DNA that you want to clearly communicate is mm-hmm. is really helpful. So that, that kind of goes back to the reading uh, mm-hmm. books that have been very influential in, in the way that I lead and, and in the way that we formulate our guest services process. Those are certainly the type of books that I want to put in the hands of our leaders. Um, I want to put books in their hands that they're going to disagree with and rip apart because <laughs> sure. that helps them to think about right. um, the, why we kind of came down to the position that we did in, in certain areas. Um, so those would be a couple of things that I would say, uh, we, you know, you, you want to, you want to be able to know what, what's the win, uh, who is it that I'm going to have around the table, um, and, and then just helping them to understand what, what's the, what's the goal for me as an individual volunteer at the end of this journey. Love it. Any potholes that you think you should avoid? Like, it sounds like it's all gone really well every nine times, but I'm sure there's been a few things that maybe, oh, this wasn't so great. What what would be some of those potholes that we want to avoid that, oh, that just didn't go so well? Yeah, I think in in some cases, uh, some years, and, and this, you know, kind of comes and goes, but we... Uh, I think not having a very clear leadership pipeline laid out at all campuses. Mm -hmm. So when I have a campus leader, because the the nominations for who's around the table comes from our campus directors, because they're the ones who know their volunteers. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so whenever I have a a campus leader who is having a hard time coming up with four names of high capacity volunteers, Mm -hmm. that usually indicates a a, Mm -hmm. a pipeline problem, right? Now, sometimes it just means that, They've done a really good job of sending their high capacity people through in years past, and they, you know, might have just they're kind of at the end of that that list at that point. But but more often than not, it is we're we're not investing in people, we're not bringing in new people, um, and, and we're not identifying who that potential high capacity talent is down the road. So I, I would say that's one big pothole. Um, I think another one could be is just not having a clear end in sight. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, and so good. one of the things that we tried to do uh, starting a, a two or three iterations ago um, 
was we we tried to give some very measurable things where at the end of someone's eight month journey for the type A's that were around the table, they could look back and say, this was accomplished. Um, so one one practical example of that is, is we we began to roll out campus projects that every group of volunteers from every campus, they would select a project in collaboration with their campus director, um, mm-hmm. a, a need that they had identified that they said, we, we want to research this, we want to study this, and we want to fix this by the time that we are done. And so usually that gives them something to be able to look back on. And a lot of times those the, the results of those projects have been things that we have implemented across the board because it was something, again, it didn't come from a central leadership team. It didn't come from a campus leadership team. It came from the volunteer at the campus to say, this is an issue that needs to be fixed and we can fix this. And they did. And it fixed it at all of our campuses. Right. Amazing. So good. Uh, I love this. This is uh, one of those things, again, listeners who are listening in, this feels like such an actionable, practical uh, step that so many of us could be looking at. Obviously, we we're talking about in the specifically in the realm of uh, guest services, guest connections type stuff, but this could really be applied across so many different areas. Has ha- Have there been in other areas of the summit, has this idea spread to other other departments like kids or next gen stuff or, or do they have kind of equivalents of that? Are there any nuances in those departments? If they don't, that's totally fine. I realize that's might be a curveball question. Yeah, yeah, we, we certainly have. We, we have had um, whether, you know, they, they look exactly the same or there's some variation of it. Um, we, we've certainly seen this. And as you mentioned, kids and students, but also worship. Uh, our um, our sending teams, uh, mm-hmm. short term and long term teams, have have picked up on things like this, and they or they do similar things. I should say, I, not to say this was the inspiration for it, um, but yeah, in, in all of those, it is a it is a way again for us just to replicate that leadership as much as we mm-hmm. possibly can. Love it. So good. I really appreciate this. Anything else you'd you'd like to say on this high capacity volunteer cohort? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the year that we have come out of, uh, we we started uh, our 2020 version in January. We got two meetings out, and then everything shut down. So we had to pivot completely online last year. Uh, going into this year, we made an intentional decision not to stretch this over eight months because we just didn't know when we would be able to physically come back together. Um, so we are currently right in the middle of a uh, a microwaved six week um, Zoom call mm. that uh, instead of an hour and a half, it's forty five minutes. Uh, it, it we. We, we've just changed it up. We do. We definitely plan on bringing the in-person cohort back in 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for this year, this just seemed like the right move. And so uh, it's that same number of people, about 31 uh, are, are involved in it. And uh, we're, we're doing every other week over the course of about a three-month span. So, so six meetings all total. Oh, I love that. I think that's fantastic. And do you think you'll do, uh, obviously, the... You'll end up doing it in person, but you think you might keep the online, you know, piece of that, or or who knows, maybe some yeah. sort of combo of both, or it's hard to tell at this point. Sure, certainly to be determined. I mean, we're we're so um, this is so fresh for so many of us. We're still trying to work out some of the bugs for this. We're calling this a a collective instead of a cohort. Mm-hmm. We just we love mm-hmm. a lot of c words. Yes, um, and, and so we are um, we're we're attempting to figure out how is this working and is this something that could either come alongside. We don't think it'll replace but maybe it would come alongside to complement that uh, in the future. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Well, if you're listening in, dear listener, and you're thinking about a, a book or two that could be good to uh, pick up to start this, one that I would suggest, in fact, I would say should be required reading and this would be a book by a friend of mine, Danny Franks. <laughs> It's called People Are the Mission, How Churches Welcome Guests Without Compromising the Gospel. This is a book, this is actually a part of what you were talking about when you were on the first time. Uh, tell us about, about your book, because I really do think this could be you know, universally applicable to all teams, uh, obviously specifically applicable to folks that are thinking on the guest connections, guest relations kind of stuff. But I do think there's leaders across. It's one of those books that I keep telling people they should read. Uh, tell us about this book. Why did you write it? Uh, and kind of what were you hoping or how has it continued to kind of impact churches uh, over the years since you released it? Yeah. Um, so it, it's been, I, I think about, I think we're right at three years uh, since uh, that book came out on the market. And it was really a, an attempt to find um, some space in that middle ground. Uh, you know, I had, I had read all kinds of books on there that were very practically how-to guides. I had read a lot of books that were on the philosophy of hospitality, the theology of hospitality. And this was an attempt to marry those two together, to give some uh, why we do this and what it is that we do. Um, and, and so it really, in, in some ways, it's a kind of a even though it's not explicitly stated as a journey through our history, it really does give, uh, if you if you look in that, you can kind of see a meta narrative that's being created of how we have wrestled with this idea of we don't want to just simply be a church that is, um, you know, incredibly welcoming and people talk about it. I mean, yes, we want those things to be true, but we've got to move them beyond, uh, you know, the, the rah-rah, you know, first weekend experience mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. a deeper relationship, not only with people at the church, but ultimately a relationship with Christ and, and an understanding of the gospel and how that changes our lives. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's such a great book. I, I, and for exactly that reason, friends, that this uh, you know, there's, uh, if you've listened for a while, you know, I'm a fan of Disney and there's a lot we can learn from them in our churches, but if it's, we don't really want to just run great events. That's we're not, none of us got into this because we're like, wow, we want to run fun events. We we're doing this because we want to see people come to a life changing decision and, and, and about, around Jesus and to be impacted by him deeply. And I love this book because it really is, it's a great intersection of how do we do that? Uh, and it's fantastic. You're, you would love it. I'd also want to encourage people to drop by your website, dfranks.com, which is just, you're such a consistent producer of such great content. Uh, love it. Um, anything that's kind of going on over there at dfranks that we want to make sure people uh, are aware of? Yeah. Um, so there, there's usually two new posts that'll go up a week, uh, every week that are uh, running the gamut between uh, guest services uh, volunteer culture, uh, leadership, things that I'm reading. I mean, there, there's a, a general menu that kind of gets run through every, you know, every month or so. Uh, but a couple of new posts a week. And um, probably by the time this goes live, we will be very close to uh, launching uh, signups for some of our training events that we're going to be doing mm -hmm. uh, later this year. Um, we do, uh, in, in addition to training our volunteers inside the walls, we also want to equip and resource churches that are outside of our walls. And so we do things like guest services, weekenders, where people can come and just learn uh, from some of our practices and philosophy. That's a, a completely free event. Uh, we do one-day workshops all around uh, guest services and volunteer culture, things like that. Um, and then a, a coach 
coaching network called uh, the Confab, where uh, leaders can come together for a several month journey um, just to learn more about how how to be a better leader and how to implement some of these things uh, in their churches. But yeah, all, all of that is available uh, at the website, thefranks.com. Well, Danny, I really appreciate you being on uh, the podcast today. So honored that you would take some time out to help us. We've got uh, links all in our show notes, friends, a uh, bunch of stuff in there that you're going to want to follow to stay connected with Danny. Uh, and anywhere else we want to point them online just as we wrap up? Yeah, uh, the, the blog is probably the best place. Um, I'm uh, fairly uh, fairly active on Twitter. Let me be Franks is uh, my handle there. And uh, yeah, always happy to uh, help and uh, just collaborate and, and talk shop. Uh, always enjoy the opportunity to help others. Great. Thanks so much, Danny. Appreciate being on the show. Thanks, Rach. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary. <laughs>